Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. All right, it's time to say it. Happy Friday. Welcome to the Vince Coakley Radio Program. Glad you are with us for the broadcast today. By the way, Bernie, um, if you're able to get a source on uh, what we are watching now, I think it would be appropriate to listen in. We, as you know, have breaking news this morning out of Washington about a sad development. And... um, At this very moment, the uh, Senate's leader, Chuck Schumer, is mentioning the fact that uh, the Senate has lost a woman who spent a great deal of time there. She has passed away. I'm referring to Dianne Feinstein. Let's listen in on the Senate chamber. She would take on any force, any special interest, any opponent with with relentless integrity and would wear those opponents down until she succeeded. Again, her integrity just shone through them. And she won, and she won, and she won. And each time made the country a better place. I saw this up close when she passed the assault weapons ban, a passion of hers after what happened to her in California. The NRA was a relentless, often mean-spirited and chauvinistic foe. They oozed vitriol against her. But they didn't scare her. They didn't stop her. And they failed against her. Like most of her opponents, they failed against her. Her perseverance, her strength, and most of all, her integrity shone through. I was privileged to carry the bill in the House after she had passed it in the Senate. She guided me every step of the way. And her strength and her integrity strengthened all of us who were fighting that uphill fight. And and as we went through that bill, it became clear to me, Dianne Feinstein is not like the others. She's in a class of her own. Of course, it wasn't just the assault weapons ban she fought for. Her accomplishments also included championing the Violence Against Women Act, protecting oversight authority during the investigation into U.S. torture, fighting for climate justice, fighting for marriage equality, fighting for reproductive justice. The list goes on and on. As chair of the Intelligence Committee, Diane fought for what was right, even if it was hard and difficult and took months and years to dig in again you're listening to chuck schumer the leader of the senate now speaking about the death of diane feinstein california's longest serving senator passed away at the age of 90 90 
CNBC reports her death leaves vacant her powerful Senate seat, requiring Governor Gavin Newsom to appoint a temporary successor, something he will absolutely look forward to doing. Who knows, maybe he can appoint himself to that position. But we know he is looking at a higher office. The Democratic senator's decades-long career studded with major legislative achievements on issues including gun control and the environment. You heard Chuck Schumer making reference to some of those issues. The oldest member of the Senate, the longest tenure of any woman in the chamber, and any senator from California. Her death ends a boundary-pushing political career that spanned more than half a century, studded with major legislative achievements. In her final years, as you know, increasingly visible health and memory issues and a conflict with her fellow Democrats over her refusal to step down. In fact, she'd planned to retire at the end of her current term in 2024. That's pretty significant. 2024, that's when she was intending to stay through the end of that term. Gavin Newsom, in a statement, called Feinstein a political giant whose tenacity was matched by her grace. She broke down barriers and glass ceilings, but never lost her belief in the spirit of political cooperation. Simply nobody who possessed the poise, gravitas, and fierceness of Dianne Feinstein. Gavin Newsom ending his statement by saying, Jennifer and I are deeply saddened by her passing. We will mourn with her family in this difficult time. And as you know, we have to be very real about this because you know there are folks who are simply salivating at this Senate seat. Salivating. They cannot wait. In fact, many of them did not wait. And they were hoping that somehow she would be pushed out of the way. Well, congratulations. She's now dead. I mean, that sounds kind of coarse. But folks, you know this political game as well as I do. And these folks, many of them, are just clamoring for power, period. So, I recognize the human loss the fact that this is a woman who certainly did uh, break through some barriers. And for that, uh, she is certainly to be praised. Obviously, her many of her ideas are diametrically on the other end of things that I believe in. But this is a sad loss, just the loss of a human being. Passing away at the age of 90, a ripe old age. As you know, a good bit of attention is on Capitol Hill this weekend because of the elephant in the room, which is the fact that there is no plan at all to fund this government beyond the end of the fiscal year. At the end of September... There will not be authorization to spend money for this government. We have a number of angles to cover with this, including 
hopefully a conversation with a favorite member of Congress. It's been a while since he has been on this program. Hopefully he'll be able to join us this morning in just a few minutes. I am quite intrigued by an article in the Washington Post. And the headline here is quite intriguing because as I started, when I first saw it, I thought, okay, this is a little much. But as I thought about it, I came to the conclusion this person really has a point. Amid GOP confusion, U.S. braces for first ever shutdown about nothing. Think about that headline for a moment. Now, when I first saw this, I thought, okay, here's another partisan thing that's going to make all kinds of, uh, you know, generate all kinds of panic porn and make fun of Republicans, whatever this is. But I thought about it. I thought, you know what? What is this really about? Now, I know what I would be arguing, but I don't hear a case that is really being made at least with one accord by leadership. What's the message here? What is it? In 1995 and 96, the federal government shut down as House Republicans and the Clinton administration clashed over spending cuts. 2013, the government shut down because of a partisan disagreement over President Barack Obama's Affordable Care Act. 2018, Democrats bucked President Donald Trump's demands to fund a U.S.-Mexico border wall leading to the longest shutdown in U.S. history. And now, according to Michael Strain, who is the Director of Economic Policy Studies of the American Enterprise Institute, a right-leaning think tank, we are truly heading for the first ever shutdown about nothing. Strain has started referring to the current GOP House-led impasse as the Seinfeld shutdown. For those of you who do not know, Seinfeld is known as the show about nothing. By the way, the show that I have never watched. Anyway, a reference to the popular sitcom widely known as a show about nothing. The weirdest thing about it is the Republicans don't have any demands. What do they want? Why is it they're going to shut the government down for? We simply do not know. <laughs> this is quite amusing, is it not? We will talk about this and get your perspectives and the perspective of one member of Congress. I'll be very curious to hear what his inside perspectives are. So, folks, <laughs> this is the shutdown about nothing. Think about this. Shutdown about nothing. I told you yesterday, the federal government was already starting this I guess information process to let people know that a shutdown was a possibility. They're letting their employees know, federal employees. So lawmakers have until 12.01 a.m. Sunday to pass a new law to extend government funding. This is on a wide range of critical federal services that could come to a halt. Yesterday, a bipartisan Senate agreement to temporarily fund the federal government passed a procedural hurdle. That plan has already been rejected by House Republicans. <laughs> this is such a circus, isn't it? Typically, funding showdowns in divided government between Congress and the White House have featured pitched battles over specific policies. We mentioned the border wall, Obamacare, 
But budget experts and historians say the current impasse stands out for its lack of a clear policy disagreement. House Republican leaders had already worked out an agreement with President Biden back in May on government spending levels for the next fiscal year. But they're working on legislation that would spend far less than the agreed amounts. The House has no plans yet for a temporary extension to government funding, which means there haven't been significant negotiations with the Democratic Senate or the White House. So as long as House Republicans cannot find consensus on their demands... Democrat policymakers, largely backed in this fight by Senate Republicans, have declined to offer concessions because they don't know which ones would suffice. Asked by reporters Wednesday, what could be done to avoid a shutdown? Biden responded, if I knew that, I would have already done it. By the way, that's a lie. He's hoping for a shutdown and they're already planning this. You know, the script is already written. Because, as you know, it's always the Republicans' fault, no matter what. They're just salivating at the opportunity because this is another wonderful 2024 talking point about how everything was shut down. You know how this thing works. They really don't come up with new material at all, do they? Oh, my goodness. Compounding the confusion, it's not clear how or when House Republicans can forge consensus. So, see, part of the problem here, before there was a sense that, okay, all the Republicans are united on this. You know, today we don't have that particular situation. Because the Republicans are not united. Not even the House Republicans are united. The Senate Republicans, oh, they're ready to cave on everything. Most of them, anyway. This is just hilarious. I love this language. You know, you've heard me mock this so many times about the hard right. They love using that phrase. Compounding the confusion, it's not clear how or when House Republicans can forge consensus. Speaker Kevin McCarthy has for weeks tried to unify his caucus around a set of spending demands, but his efforts have been stymied in part because of a handful of, are you ready for it again, folks? Hard right insurgents keep changing their own demands. (laughs) My gosh. So with less than two days until a shutdown, the legislative leaders tasked with funding the government appears stuck. House Republican appropriators have advanced legislation that would dramatically slash the safety net and other domestic programs, including gutting some education subsidies by 80%. Those bills are not only doomed in the Senate, but they failed to pass the House, leaving the lower chamber's policy priorities unclear. Newt Gingrich. Newt Gingrich. I want you to keep this in mind who we're talking about. I frankly don't understand it. I think it's sort of nuts. There are times people vote yes one day, then they come back and vote no the next day. Can't explain why they switched. (laughs) Newt Gingrich, the former House Speaker, and a McCarthy ally. Boy, there's something very important to consider. Gingrich led House Republicans through two different shutdowns nearly 30 years ago. A brief one in late 1995, a longer one, 
weeks later. I find it hard to understand what they want, too, because they change constantly. That's a big part of the problem. <laughs> Asked if he has a hard time tracking the insurgents' demands of McCarthy, Gingrich said yes, adding, so do they. Oh, my goodness. This is crazy, isn't it? I want to know what you think about it. How many of you are genuinely concerned about this? Is this something that's going to cause you to lose sleep tonight, tomorrow? Is this going to haunt your weekend? Going to keep you from enjoying grilling out this weekend? Or that movie that you're going to watch? You're going to be sitting there thinking, I wonder if they're going to fund the government. <laughs> I'm, I'm just curious. Very curious. Yet at the same time. What is the message? And I do mean, mean the message. You think Republicans ought to be communicating right now with one voice. And that's significant. Because I would suggest to you, this is a party that is absolutely positively confused. Coming up, we'll talk about what's going on with the economy, the things that are truly on your heart and mind. And they're not very far away because you're confronted every time you swipe that card, every time you go to the gas station, the grocery store, whatever it is. We will address that as we continue the broadcast. Also, coming up, hopefully we'll have a conversation with a favorite congressman of mine. This guy is um, right on the money when it comes to issues that affect us and his stand for liberty hopefully he'll be able to pop out of a committee meeting this morning and have a conversation about what's happening in the nation's capital if you have some question about why why dana perino participated in this debate in the way that she did well we've got a clip of audio that you might want to listen to when i saw this i was looking for an airsick bag yeah i hope you don't mind if i uh, just finish my text to our guest <laughs> i'm serious i was just uh catching up on a couple of things with the person we're about ready to talk to here on the Vince Coakley radio program, um, Washington, I mean, what, what is, is there any surprise here? It's a mess. Here we are a couple of days away from potential government shutdown. And um, where's the leadership? What is what is the message coming out of the Republican Party? Who are these extreme right wing insurgents? That the media keeps talking about. I mean, do I have one of them on the program right now? Um, here to join us to provide some insight on what's happening. Uh, good friend, Congressman Thomas Massey from my former home state of Kentucky. Uh, good morning. Welcome back, sir. Good morning, Vince. You know, I expect people like Jim Jordan to distract me on my phone when I'm trying to go on the radio. He was calling me. But, but I don't expect the host to be sending me texts. On the phone that I'm trying to use to talk to the radio show. <laughs> so, for for your listeners, just just to 
and we're talking about I am calling Vince Coakley's show. This is Congressman Thomas Massey with my personal phone. And meanwhile, I'm getting these texts from somebody, and it turns out to be Vince Coakley. Uh, oh, Vince. my goodness. So there you go. We'll resume these subjects uh, that we were trying to address a little bit later on. But I want to hit you right right at the top here. Are you one of these insurgents? Are you one of these right-wing extremists who's uh, causing the trouble for poor Kevin McCarthy? Um. <laughs> Wait. By, by the way, there was an article that came out. This is this is relevant to your question, and the article is like in Politico or something. It it said I was a, a reliable ally or staunch ally of Kevin McCarthy. Oh I've been tra- demanding a retraction, and I went to Kevin McCarthy and showed him the article, and I said I'm demanding a retraction from these reporters. <laughs> like, don't don't ever think I'm your staunch ally, but. Goodness. I am not the the uh, giving him grief at the moment uh, during this process. In fact, I'm on the rules committee, which is in the sausage factory. This is the sausage grinder. Uh, there are nine members of the majority and four of the minority on the rules committee. It's like the smallest committee in the House, but every bill that comes to the floor goes through the rules committee, and they put three of us uh, conservatives on this committee, Ralph Norman, there, you know, there may be some people who are listening to you in his area. Uh, Ralph Norman, Chip Roy, and myself, and we have a blocking position on the rules committee. So we're actually on the rules committee as sort of a check on Kevin McCarthy, because the rules committee is known as the speaker's committee. You can't do anything on the floor without going through the rules committee. So it, as it turns out, that it's not R- Ralph Norman, Thomas Massey, or Chip Roy who are uh, causing Kevin, the most grief at the moment. We are trying to figure out a way through this, a conservative answer to funding the government before the deadline approaches or hits us. So, how, if you were to put a number on this thing, mm-hmm. how um, how likely is it this is going to get resolved before Sunday? I would put that likelihood at zero point zero one percent. Are you serious? <laughs> I am serious, and I'll tell you why. The Democrats believe they benefit from a shutdown politically. Yep. And so uh, if there's a reasonable way out of this, the Democrats will not allow Kevin McCarthy or any set of Republicans to arrive at a reasonable answer. They're going to drive a hard line into this shutdown and through this shutdown because they believe they benefit from a shutdown. And uh, if Kevin McCarthy were to to acquiesce to what are going to be some really crazy demands from the Democrats, look, they already sent us the CR and said they won't fund the government unless we send $8 billion to Ukraine. I mean, their, their, their uh, conditions for avoiding a shutdown are crazy. But that's the kind of bargain they're going to try to drive. Uh, it's not a bargain, but that's that's the kind of deal they're going to try to get out of the situation that Kevin's in. And if he uh, acquiesces to their demands at at the last hour, which I think are going to be ridiculous, then his speakership is in jeopardy. You know, I'm, I'm just I'm just relating a fact to you. I'm not threatening Kevin McCarthy by saying that. 
you're just you're just speaking facts here and and something that's that's striking here and and you've you've brought out a very significant point here that it's not so much even the republicans who are making demands here people are ignoring the fact and certainly the mainstream news media is ignoring the fact it's the democrats who are making demands here and among them this money for ukraine which you do not support no, I don't support, and a majority of the Republicans in the House don't support the money for Ukraine because last night, um, thanks to my rules, com- the rules committee that I serve on, we were able to split the Ukraine funding out of the DOD approves bill that we passed last night and have a separate vote on whether to send money to Ukraine. And it turns out a majority of Republicans voted against sending a dime to Ukraine. Wow. Uh, which is a significant milestone now that a majority of the majority do not send support sending the money to Ukraine. Yet you've got senators, some of them Republican, <laughs> went, a lot of Republicans went along with the Democrats in the Senate to send us a CR that says, we're not going to fund the government unless you send $8 billion to Ukraine. Oh, we're like being held hostage by Zelensky or in the Senate. This is unbelievable. In town this week. This is absolutely unbelievable. And yet, um, this is where we find ourselves. So how does this thing get resolved? We're coming up against a hard break here, and we'll continue our conversation with Congressman Thomas Massey. We also understand there have been some comments this morning from... Uh, Kevin McCarthy about how this thing gets resolved. We're going to try to track down what those comments are and what he has to say, whether there's any additional light here rather than just heat. Our conversation with Congressman Massey will continue. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. And we're back at the Vince Coakley Radio Program, continuing our conversation with Congressman Thomas Massey from Northern Kentucky. I want to uh, go to this issue first of uh, you're saying you think it's uh, probably at a zero chance this gets resolved for Sunday. What's it going to take to resolve this? What If, if you were to say uh, this is what it's going to take, here are the issues that are are at the heart of this. Uh, this is how this is going to be resolved. What does that look like? By, by the way, it's like uh, there is a chance. It's 0.01% chance. <laughs> exactly. Like, you know, and dumb and dumber. So you're saying there's a chance. I didn't say there was no chance. There okay. Was a, 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 I, I accept that correction, sir. Okay, what do I think it's going to take to to get it done before uh, Sunday morning? <laughs> Is that what you're asking? Or at, at all? Period. Whatever. Whatever the timeline. Uh, well, I can say that the uh, I'll just I'll affectionately call them rebels. Okay, in the republic on the Republican side. Uh, it's a term of endearment when I call somebody a rebel. But the the rebels on the Republican side uh, want to see the 12 bills passed, and I completely agree with them on that. Uh, but they say they some of them say they will never vote for a CR, which stands for Continuing Resolution. Uh, there are some of us who have 
tried to point out that this is more like a sequester than a CR. What we're, what we're proposing to do, the majority of the Republican conference, is to fund the government at about 92% of what it's doing right now. The, the continuing resolution isn't your typical continuing resolution that we're going to vote on here today. In, within a couple hours, actually shorter than that, very soon, we're going to vote on a continuing resolution that continues to fund the government, but at about 92% of what it's currently funded at. We're going to have, within that continuing resolution, a debt commission, uh, basically a group of people that will form to talk about what needs to be done to get our debt under control. The problem is it's so political, as soon as you try to talk about it on the floor, the Democrats accuse you of you know, throwing grandma off the cliff. So there almost has to be a separate debt commission to have these discussions, rational discussions, where people don't turn it into politics. So the, the CR will be a reduction in spending. It will have this debt commission, and it has a guarantees that we will stem the flow of just the unmitigated in, uh, flow across our border that even Democrats can't abide by anymore. So... We're going to be voting on that here in an, in just a few minutes, frankly, um, and we'll see. It may fall short on the Republican side. So then we, we will have a conference right now at 2 o'clock. We're scheduled to get together the Republican Party and see if there's something that we can all agree on that we get 217 of our votes. We had a good breakthrough yesterday. We passed three of the 12 appropriations bills in um, last night. One of them failed. Uh, actually, it's because the moderates didn't, I don't want to speak for them, but I'll try to, to say why I think the moderates let that Republican bill fail yesterday. I think it's because they didn't have enough farm subsidies, which is ironic for the Republican Party. So last night, forward progress was impeded not by those who I affectionately call the conservative rebels, but by the, the moderates and the farm, uh, the, those who represent ag districts who thought the farm bill cut too much subsidies. Oh, boy. This is all disturbing stuff. Um, we've got uh, a limited amount of time here, and I don't want to address a couple of issues here because this is, no matter what happens here, uh, this raises questions about the future, if there is one, for Kevin McCarthy. Uh, another prediction here. Does he survive this? It, this is a real test, and it depends on how this resolves. Uh, I think if there's a bill that goes on the floor and every Democrat votes for it, and there are only like 50 Republicans who vote for it, I think that doesn't bode well for his speakership. If there's a way out of this where we end up with, uh, let's say, 180 Republicans voting for it and maybe 50 Democrats voting for it, I think he can. he's then threaded the needle and he can survive that because that's an indication that the resolution was somewhat conservative versus if you have every Democrat voting for it and just a few Republicans. So he's, he's in a tough spot here. Um, yeah. No question about that. Uh, and we don't have time to even delve into this. Who would even want the job and who would be uh, <laughs> desired for that position? 
No, uh, very few people want the job under these circumstances. Like there are plenty of ambitious people who would love to be speaker, but uh, I'm going to say this on your show. I've been talking about it privately. I've been here long enough to know what happens when you change speakers in a spending cycle. Uh, that John Boehner left in September, October, and he did what he called the barn cleaning, and he said, "I'm going to clean the barn." Now I don't know if the, the the uh, debris in the barn, if he was talking about conservatives or, or what, but what he did is he passed an omnibus and he reauthorized XM Bank, which is huge cronyism, um, and he did all of the things that conservatives detest on his way out. So uh, I just I do not think it's a good thing to change speakers in this period of time. Yep, I hear you. Uh, we only have a couple of, actually, a little over a minute left. Uh, last subject, impeachment. Do you support the impeachment inquiry? Not only do I support the inquiry, I'm on the Judiciary Committee, and we were we are the inquirers. So, you know, the inquiry is distributed among uh, oversight and judiciary and ways and means because of the tax records. But, um, yeah, I support it. I support going where the facts go, um, and it's an inquiry. It's not an impeachment. We need – there's smoke. We need to see if there's fire. And the inquiry is a, is a path that gives us more ability to get the answers and less stonewalling from the administration when we request documents. Well, we certainly wish you the best and hope you're able to find the information you need without too much obstruction. And, uh, you know, we're certainly praying for you as well uh, and all the matters you're dealing with related to the nation's business. So uh, I uh, my admiration for you continues in the midst of dealing with all of the foolishness there on Capitol Hill. Congressman Thomas Massey, ladies and gentlemen, uh, thanks a lot for coming on, sir, and look forward to catching up with you again soon. Thanks for your prayers, and thanks for getting the truth out there. We'll talk to you later, Vince. Look forward to it. Thomas Massey, ladies and gentlemen, and again, this is something that um, you'll continue to watch this weekend as we uh, edge ever closer to that deadline of midnight on Sunday. We'll talk a little bit more about this. Also delve into what's happening to us financially, those of us regular people as a result of government spending patterns, and we have Faith Focus Friday. Directly on the other side, right here on News Talk 1110, 99.3 WBT. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Hour number two of the Vince Coakley Radio Program on this Friday. If you'd like to join the conversation, our phone number is 704 What are your thoughts about what's going on in Capitol Hill? We remind you of breaking news as well, the passing of Senator Dianne Feinstein at the age of 90. And in the Senate chamber, they are continuing to eulogize this senator who passed away today. Just a couple of comments about my conversation with uh, Thomas Massey. 
And one of the things I love about Thomas Massey, I think he's probably one of the smartest guys on Capitol Hill. There's no doubt about those of you who don't know Thomas Massey's background. It's not in politics. This guy is a very, um, uh, would it be accurate to call him a scientist, perhaps? He's got a bunch of patents, over a dozen patents for products. He has probably one of the sharpest minds there on Capitol Hill. Really doesn't need this foolishness. He has a home that's completely off the grid. He drives a Tesla. <laughs> this is a guy who is uh, just, uh, he's very uh, unique, to say the least. And when it comes to matters of liberty, um, just uh, always reliable. But I think it's also interesting, he has wisdom in recognizing, did you already have to say about the whole speaker thing? Talking about how when John Boehner was voted out, what he did, he basically burned the place down, and he burned the place down by giving us even more of what we didn't want. Just selling us out completely. Just creating a mess on the way out. And Thomas Massey's basically arguing, I believe, that... Uh, <laughs> it's not going to pay. And, and when I ask the question, what are the chances we're going to get a conservative speaker? It ain't going to happen because we don't have a conservative Republican House. We don't. It's really that bad. So I, I think it's, um, you know, I, I agree with the wisdom that he has offered on this subject. By the way, I had to look here and see what is Thomas Massey's Liberty score. You've, you know, I'm always mocking these people who come on and not who come on this broadcast. They're not generally not going to want to come on this broadcast. But the Kevin McCarthy's, the others who have F scores. I mean, it's just it's just a joke that these people are Republicans at all. By the way, Thomas Massey has a 96. And there's a reason he has a 96. He's reliably conservative. A very faithful conservatarian. So, we will watch the circus as you do throughout the weekend. We're going to talk a little bit more about some of the implications. And, in fact, it's possibly affecting some of my plans this weekend. And when I share a post with you from Jeff Tart. I think you will understand why I am having second thoughts about possible travel plans this weekend. So we will get to that in a bit. First, I want to invite you here in the fall. Yes, it's fall now. Can you believe that? It's time for WBT's Talktoberfest 2023. Join us every Monday and Wednesday night in October for live interactive conversation with the WBT team on our Facebook live feed. What we talk about, it's up to you. So plan on asking us any questions you may have. Grab a pint of whatever you may like to drink, or maybe more than a pint. <laughs> Join us at 7 o'clock every Monday and Wednesday for Talktoberfest 2023, presented by Dry Otter Waterproofing. Now to Faith Focus Friday. A really great post by my good friend, Dr. Steve Crosby. 
this is probably one of the subjects that really grabbed my attention when I first heard Steve years ago, probably, what, 15 years ago? This post is called Fooled by Scripture Study. Ooh, how could we be fooled by Scripture Study? Here's what he says. Would you believe or pay any regard to a food critic who had mastered and memorized a restaurant's menu but never eaten any of the food? Would you get on a plane piloted by someone who aced all their aviation exams but never actually flown a plane? Hmm. No? Well, why not? (laughs) Hopefully because you realize they have no experience with the object of their learning. They really don't know anything. They have theoretical beliefs. Then why do Christians make positive value judgments about celebrity preachers just because of their ability in oratory and mastery of scripture content? If I may interject something here. In the midst of some challenges and issues I'm dealing with, I reached out to one of really my first good pastor and his wife last night. They live up in New York State. And you know what really makes them so uh, helpful? I know their life experience, their life journey. It's not just about knowing the Bible. These folks have been through challenges. Stateside and on the mission field. They've had some real tragedy Real, real life experience they've walked through. And this is why I know, this is what Steve's talking about, about knowing how to fly a plane. You can quote Bible all you want. The question is, how do you walk through when hell is literally crashing in? So why do we fall for these preachers? Steve says, we are so gullible, easily duped, have no discernment at all, and are easily impressed with celebrity. Because of centuries of misguided veneration of the pulpit and Bible exposition. Because we do not understand that spiritual substance comes through the heart via relational trust, not the ability to master and convey Bible content. Because we think that maturity comes from Bible study, it does not. Maturity comes from the cross. The image of Jesus is developed in the dark room of the cross. Oh my goodness, that phrase. And I don't just hear that. I feel that. God's love is learned in the fire of affliction. And if you know, you know. (laughs) And those of you who know, you're affirming right now. I can feel the amens. The Bible doesn't teach us. The Bible provides content from which the Spirit reveals Jesus via the cross and the consuming fire of his love. Our God is a consuming fire. This does not happen in the library. This happens when you take what you learn in the library into the test lab of life. I hope I pronounce these words correctly. For the language nerds, it's the difference between gnosis and epinosis. Oversimplified. The former is learning information. The latter is experience in and with the object of one's learning. Only the latter has any value. We've erroneously understood 2 Timothy 2.15 through the lens of Western rationalism. 
rather than Scripture's testimony of itself in and through the life of Christ. Powerful stuff. What are your thoughts? I know, it's pretty heavy stuff, isn't it? (laughs) But I hope it is very helpful. Again, it's not information. It's truth that is worked through in the heart of a person through the crucible of the cross. Those things have to go together in order for a true life transfer. Love to get your thoughts as we continue. Still to come, we'll talk about the implications of a possible shutdown. One of those areas, travel, new information on inflation. And if you had questions about some of the dumb questions and the general direction of the debate, well, I may be able to help you with some of that as we continue our broadcast. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Back to the Vince Coakley Radio Program on this Friday. If you'd like to join the conversation, phone number 704-570-1110, 704-570-1110. You can also stay connected. Vince Coakley at Vince Coakley on X and the Vince Coakley page on Facebook. Just look for the profile with me behind the microphone. Also coming up, we will talk about another possible entry into the presidential contest because some of these big donors don't like what they are seeing so far. Back to the government shutdown subject. I've been looking for the comments from Kevin McCarthy. have not found those yet. But we have this from Jeff Tart. Government shutdown results in 50,000 TSA officers and 14,000 air traffic controllers being required to work without pay. Expect massive numbers of people to call in sick. Expect significant travel delays. I sure hope Jeff is wrong about this, because this could be a mess. As you know, we already have air traffic control issues, especially in the Northeast. And this could be disastrous. I was just chatting with a friend of mine who was asking me about weekend plans, and I had intended to travel, and I may actually adjust those plans for that very reason, because um, I don't know <laughs> if there's enough uncertainty about this. I do not want to find myself getting stuck somewhere, which is a real possibility if things get to be very, very messy. Let's talk about money, your money. You know, it's kind of interesting. These politicians do not have your sensibilities in mind when they are talking about spending. That's not the major consideration. It's really all about what they want to accomplish for their political purposes. And one of the sad things about this is, you know, these folks will be dead and gone when the bills for all of these expenditures actually come in. And it will go to our children and our children's children. 
Breitbart reports Bidenflation prices rise twice as fast on soaring gas. Highest inflation in seven months. Higher gasoline prices forced Americans to spend more in August and pushed up the Federal Reserve's main measure of inflation. Providing more evidence, the path to lower inflation is unlikely to be a smooth one. The Personal Consumption Expenditure Price Index, which the Fed uses in its official inflation target of 2%, and the publicly released projections of policymakers, rose by 0.4%, twice the pace of the prior month. So things are going in the wrong direction. This is what economists expected. Compared with a year earlier, the PCE price index up 3.5% in acceleration from July's 3.3%. Higher energy costs, the driver of inflation in August. Core prices, which exclude food and energy, rose by a more moderate 0.1% in August. Compared with a year earlier, however, core prices are up 3.9%, more than the headline number. Federal Reserve and many economists look at core inflation as a better measure of underlying inflation, therefore a better indicator of future inflation trends. Critics say too much focus on core inflation can lead policymakers to underestimate the impact rising food and energy prices have on households. So the sharp increase in the price of oil has disrupted the decline in inflation. It shows no sign of letting up. With the U.S. Strategic Petroleum Reserves depleted after unusual and large releases by the Biden administration starting before last year's midterms, there's no ready source of new supply to push the prices back down. Remember, real economies operate by supply and demand. That's how the real world works. U.S. production is seen as unlikely to rise because it's already at high levels and investors are hesitant to commit capital to extracting or refining fossil fuels in an era when climate change policies are declared oil, gas, and coal public enemies. So this is the impact of these policies that are being touted by leftists. And you're the one who gets the bill. So congratulations. <laughs> really annoying, isn't it? Still to come in the broadcast, we're going to talk about a possible late entry into the presidential contest. Yeah, you think there are already too many people on the stage? Well, there may be one more. Because some of the big donors don't like what they're seeing yet. We will talk about that coming up. But first, if you have any question about the slant of some of the questions, just like that idiotic question about the curriculum in Florida as it relates to slavery, and, and we, we address this on this program. The, you heard from one of, the, one of the men who was on the committee dealing with slavery in the Florida curriculum. He was very clear what is really going on in the curriculum as it relates to this issue of developing skills. But the, the fact they even had that question in there. And Tim Scott, I'm really disappointed in Tim Scott. I told you that. In taking the bait on that stupidity. Nonetheless, you might be intrigued to know 
about what one particular Fox News host who was involved in the debate, what she was involved in some days ago. Before I tell you who it is, let me tell you where she went. This was a panel at the Clinton Foundation Gala a week before the GOP debate. <laughs> when I saw this, I was like, this, this has to be a joke. I, w- I was looking to try to see if this might be something AI generated. Turns out it wasn't. This person served as a press secretary for George W. Bush. So I want you to hear how this person introduced Hillary Rodham Clinton some days ago. Listen now. Of our organization was somebody that you are here to see the amazing Secretary Hillary Clinton. Here she is. Did you hear that? The amazing Secretary. Who is this, ladies and gentlemen, you ask? It's Dana Perino from the Fox News Channel. (laughs) Surprise, surprise. I think that answers many questions, doesn't it? And we are back on the Vince Coakley radio program. Hmm. I told you we were looking for any new information from Kevin McCarthy. He actually uh, spoke to reporters this morning. Here is the new headline reported out of the nation's capital. McCarthy launches last-ditch effort to keep the government open, but with steep 30% cuts to many agencies. Boy, this is not going to go over very well. Kevin McCarthy rushing today into a last-ditch plan to keep the federal government temporarily open, but with steep spending cuts of nearly 30% to many agencies and severe border security provisions demanded. Here we go again. What is this next phrase going to be, ladies and gentlemen? Demanded by his hard right flank, though with almost no chance in the Democratic Senate. McCarthy announced the legislation ahead of a morning procedural vote that will test whether the embattled speaker has the supporting needs from his slim Republican majority. So far, the right flank has rejected his efforts as they push McCarthy closer to their demands, threaten his ouster, and risk a government shutdown. The Republican speaker all but dared his holdout colleagues a day before Saturday's almost certain shutdown. The bill would keep operations open through October 31st. I mean, this, I, I just, I don't know what to say about this, folks. So this is all of this over a month of funding. McCarthy saying this morning, every member will have to go on record where they stand. Asked if he had the votes. McCarthy quipped, we will see. As soon as the floor debate started, McCarthy's chief Republican critic, Matt Gates of Florida, announced he would be voting against the package, calling its border security provisions insufficient and urging his colleagues to not surrender. The 
federal government heading straight into a shutdown after midnight Saturday that would leave two million military troops without pay, furlough federal works and disrupt government services and programs Americans rely on from coast to coast. Congress has been unable to fund the agencies or pass a temporary bill to keep offices open. So there you go. Kevin McCarthy saying, let's try this. Um, This is not going to go over. I can pretty much tell you that right now. (laughs) It ain't going to go over. Also, we mentioned the debate. You heard Dana Perino. (laughs) How in the world? I wonder if she was paid for that appearance, by the way. I mean, I would imagine she would have to be paid. I mean, and I, I got to tell you, you know, I know for me, there's just uh, there's a certain amount of money. There's no amount of money that I would ever accept, even to introduce certain people. Some people are just so profoundly odious. Through and through. How could you possibly do that? Hillary Clinton? You know what I think of? In fact, when I saw that story about Hillary Clinton and Dana Perino, I thought to myself, I, I, I thought of that clip. Remember where she says, we came, we saw, he died. <laughs> Remember that cackle over Muammar Gaddafi pretty much getting killed and sodomized on the street? And she's so proud of it. Anyway. And yet, by the way, have you seen the numbers? It looks like Fox News has bounced right back. <laughs> I don't know if it's a lot of forgiving people or what the deal is. Go figure. So we told you there's news on the presidential front. This on social media. The push for Youngkin 2024 now taking shape as donors and Republicans grow alarmed. Red Vest Retreat, October 17th and 18th in Virginia Beach. Billionaire backer assures me the money would be there. Bill Barr telling him to put his oar in. Youngkin from Virginia. What do you think? This is kind of interesting. Again, I tell you, this is happening mainly because there are... Those who are concerned that none of these people can seal the deal. Fox News has a story about Glenn Youngkin pressed on 2024 plans. Speculation swirls. Youngkin saying his primary focus is the upcoming November elections in Virginia. Pressed on whether he will throw his hat into the 2024 presidential race. I've told you, I'm totally focused on Virginia elections, and that's what we're going to get done. That's what he had to say yesterday. (laughs) When asked whether he would rule out running for president in 2024. What happened recently was Joe Biden came to Virginia two weeks ago, and he said one of his top priorities, the legislative elections in Virginia, he put a million and a half dollars in against our candidates. We got a battle against this. I'm hoping our retreat in October will provide good resources for us to combat the flood resources coming into Virginia to try and hold the state, which the liberal left knows they are losing. This is sounding more and more like a presidential campaign pitch 
According to Fox News anchor Sandra Smith, that's what she told Youngkin after he explained the ways Virginia has prospered since he took office. Smith saying, if I put the question to you a different way, do you feel the responsibility for your party and for your country to jump in the race? Let me begin with how humbling this is. Forty years ago, I'm washing dishes and taking out trash in the Belvedere Hotel. Today, people are throwing my name around in a national context. I'm new at this. I have one campaign under my belt. Isn't that amazing? One? I've been governor for 21 months. I think we've really moved things in Virginia. It's encouraging people are watching and like what we are doing. I'm focused. That was his answer when he was asked what would be holding him back from running. We've got to hold our house and flip our Senate, Youngkin added. An important moment, not just for the Commonwealth, but for the whole country. Roberts then suggested Youngkin could quietly register for the Nevada caucuses and still focus on the Virginia elections. Youngkin responded by urging Virginians to register to vote. (laughs) He's being very, very cautious. But don't be surprised. Don't be surprised at all if this man jumps in. And we're back in the final stretch of Vince Coakley Radio Program on this Friday. How is that weekend shaping up for you? Hope you have some relaxing plans in the works and everything comes together well. I mentioned to you in terms of updates, one of the things to pay attention to this weekend for what happens with the possibility of the government shutting down. And one of the big questions, you know, and you could certainly pick up a good part of this um, in the conversation with Thomas Massey. Um, What is the real answer? What's the real resolution? First off, what can Republicans agree on in the House before we even have a conversation about trying to send something to the Senate? So stay tuned, and we will have the latest information right here on News Talk 1110 WBT. So, Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. No reason to be in darkness about all of this. Time for us to take a look at the day in history. We have a total of nine items here. Good morning, our good friends. Well, wait a second here. One, two, three. I miscounted. It's actually eight items here. Bernie. How are you today? I'm great. How are you, sir? Not bad. Any great weekend plans? Uh, I think we're just going to do a lot of relaxing, me and my wife. So I'm really excited about that. We've had plans... God, I feel like every weekend, so it's nice to be able to just kind of relax around the house, do some housework, and not have to worry about much. Do you start to, are you starting to feel old? Oh, yeah. I mean, Vince, I'm in bed, and granted, I wake up at like (laughs) 4.30 in the morning, but I'm in bed by 8 o'clock, almost 7.30 some nights. (laughs) I fully get it. I do live in a retirement community, too, so there's that. That makes a difference. (laughs) A little bit of a difference. Yep. Well, we go first to 1789, and one of the first things you have to do when you have some semblance of a country 
you got to put something together to protect your country. So in 1789, Congress voted to create what? Would this be the Army or just the you military? Are Army? absolutely okay. correct. Great, the great. U.S. Army. 1789. Wow. 1850. How about this one? This Mormon leader is named the first governor of the Utah Territory. Do you mm. Are you familiar with Mormon leaders? Uh, there is a, I'll give you a hint. There's a school named after him. Is it? It's not Brigham Young, is it? Of course it is. Oh wow! Okay, See, Brigham Young University. You're BYU. Than you realize BYU. Oh, right. That's right. I was going. Yes, absolutely correct. 1916. The New York Times announced America and the world's very first billionaire. Isn't it amazing now that we got a there are a bunch of billionaires all around the world, not just in the United States of America? Mm-hmm. Do you want to take a wild guess as to the guy's last name? Is it Rockefeller? <laughs> wow, you're on a roll today. Oh, let's go, John D. Rockefeller. Very proud of myself. Absolutely correct. Very proud of myself. World's first billionaire. 1941, thirty thousand people. 30,000 of these folks were gunned down in Kiev. Isn't it interesting? On orders from this person to exterminate Soviet citizens of this particular faith. Who were they? 1941. Would it be uh, people of the Jewish faith? You are absolutely correct. 30,000 Jews. 1976, this is probably before your time. You were not even here, right? No. I don't think you would happen to know the answer to this question. Is a diner that opened up on TV the debut it's of not, the show? Is Go it ahead. Cheers? Alice, actually. Alice, okay. Mel's Diner was Mel's the name diner. of the place. Okay. 1982, again before your time, cyanide laced Tylenol killed seven people and it changes packaging forever. Oh. If you want to know why, in many cases, it's hard to get some of these medicine bottles open, there is your reason right there. Wow. 1988, Stacey Allison becomes the first American woman to reach the summit of Mount Everest. And 2008, the Dow Jones Index suffered a massive one-day loss, 777.68 points. Is that the housing market crash? Yeah, this was back during that season, so... Have you ever seen the movie The Big Short, Vince? I have not seen that. You should. It's Steve Carell and a couple other guys are in it. Um, it's pretty good. It talks about how they shorted the stocks, basically, and and talks about the economic collapse in two thousand eight. It's pretty interesting. The Big Short. Yeah. I yeah. Will, check that out. I will put that on my list right now. It is. Uh, there are some curse words in it. So for anybody out there oh, that is going to watch the movie, uh, just a heads up. Okay, that's <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> have you been paying attention to all of the? The rage about people having emotional support animals. Yes. So did you see the silly thing that someone tried to do at a Phillies game? I don't think I did. Oh, my goodness. This is just absolutely crazy. In fact, I should send you a picture of this. Please do. So you can actually see the stupidity of which I am about to address. Uh, This whole thing is way out of control. It really is. It's completely out of control. I actually do have an emotional support dog, but I don't parade him around like he's a service animal because there's a very big difference. Yes. There's a very big difference. But and he's a pit bull, so I kind of went around the system and got him labeled as emotional support. And he kind of is emotional support. 
um, by my doctor so that he could get accepted into the apartment that we were renting at that okay. time. That, that was a workaround. Sense. Yeah, yeah. I fully understand. Well, you're not going to have much sympathy for this guy because uh, this one is really out in left field. <laughs> a fan tried to bring a pet alligator to a Phillies game. This fan tried to take his pet alligator to the Philadelphia Phillies game Wednesday night. He was denied by security. The fan is alligator expert Joey Hinney, who lives near Hershey, Pennsylvania. He caused a stir outside Citizens Bank Park when he tried to take his pet gator Wally to the Phillies Pirates game. Henny and Wally were denied because the alligator is registered as an emotional support animal and not a service animal. Uh-huh. So if he just changed that designation, does that mean they would let him, let them in? It's domesticated, Vince. Oh, my gosh. This is crazy. We'd have been fine. A social media star who goes by the Philly captain took photos and video of Wally and Henny on Wednesday. Some fans were actually brave enough to pet Wally, who, according to Henny, does not bite. <laughs> Oh my gosh. I love it. <laughs> Wally, who appeared in the Disney show uh, Loki, even gave a hug to a stranger. Isn't that just wonderful? That's I mean, fantastic. these people have lost their minds. By the way, Henny and Wally were featured by CBS News last year. Henny talked at the time about Wally's rare and special demeanor. Uh, Henny telling CBS News, I've never met an alligator that will not bite you. You fool around with your head, their instinct is to grab you. He doesn't do it. You can reach in there. You can rub his tongue. He refuses to close his mouth. We do not know why. And you can keep on doing that because I am not going to experiment with that. <laughs> A celebrity alligator, Vince. I did yeah, not think see. I'd see the day. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> well, that's all we have time for in the broadcast today. Thanks very much for joining us. Have yourselves a great and awesome weekend. God bless you. Adios.